doors, bolt your windows, and turn off the lights. Welcome to Michael Myers Minute, where I used to be your host, and we used to delve into the 1978 horror classic one minute at a time. I'm Professor Robert E.G. Black. You can find my content at lemmingdrops.com. What we're about to do, I decided I didn't feel like writing down notes, so I'm basically just going to react as I watch Halloween Kills for the second time, and, I don't know, I don't know, edit out the gaps, rant the entire hour 45, or something in between. Probably I'll edit out the gaps so this episode won't be a whole episode. If you want a commentary version, the original will be something close to that, so I might be able to put that out later. I don't remember how this film started, and I watched it a week ago. Oh, it's fucking Bonnie. I believe his name's Cameron. I have a bunch of stuff I copied and pasted from the trivia section on IMDb. I know that can be edited by like anybody, sort of. But that helped remember a couple of people's names. I might just still call him Bonnie, because clearly the uh, filmmakers thought it would be amusing if he had to spend the whole movie in a skirt. And he finds Hawkins alive, because they had to do a trilogy, and you couldn't... Well, he could tell to kill Hawkins. Yeah, fuck. He needs to die. Ugh, and I don't know where he's gonna get that's bullshit. Oh, the flashback. First bit of stupidity, and I didn't even realize it as I watched it the first time. They do this alley, and try to make it look like the alley from South Pasadena, right? Except the alley scene is not in the original film, so this is the first reference to a film they've erased. Chestnut South of the Bypass is a reference to Halloween 2. Of course, that's what Deputy Hunt says. No, he didn't pluck wings off butterflies, but he did kill a rabbit once. If you get that reference, you're welcome. He's looking over the town. That's what he's doing at his sister's window because he's Endon. He's the protective spirit the cult of the thorn brought about. So the leave me alone gets knocked down with his pumpkin is, yeah, clearly a direct call to them doing that to Tommy in the original. And dumb, too. They're trick-or-treating, even though it's about midnight. How about cops tell him to go home? Because it's midnight. In case you're only listening to this episode, in the process of covering the first film in detail, I figured out that essentially the movie marathon is a movie at 7, a movie at 9, a movie at 11. And so we are after 11 o'clock by the time Lori even crosses the street in minute 72. Did those plastic pumpkins exist in 1978? Why are you making me think about this stuff? Of course we see the dead dog. Since the last episode, I did find in my notes the name. I don't know where the source is, if it's in one of the comics or stories or whatever, but someone called the dog Olivia. Come to the architecture problem. At the end of the stairs is the back wall of the house. Kitchen was added for the production, so they'd have three rooms for Michael to walk through. Michael's door should be to the right, but they come up off the stairs and there's a room behind the house. Yeah, it's wrong. Wait a second. It might not be wrong, it might just be it. Awkward framing because we don't see the stairs as they come off him. And Hawkins went to the left from the top of the stairs. While whatever the other guy's name is went to where we didn't see. Michael waits till you're talking, interrupts mid-sentence. Reference to Bob, surely. He's strangling him, just shoot. Hawkins is a horrible shot. A lifetime of preparation, and for what? Ray is dead. So many people are dead, we're not equipped. Allison's run off with crazy Lonnie Elam. People are losing their minds. There are authorities who are trained to deal with exactly this kind of... Why does need to know that? Why didn't he already try to shoot Michael outside? If he's about to, that's murder. 
title. I'm not counting myself, but supposedly there's 12 pumpkins in this shot, and someone said it's a reference to this being the 12th Halloween film, but I don't care. <laughs> the bar. Open Mick Night. Oh, because it's Mick's bar. They're trying to be clever. And supposedly they're singing a song by the Coupe de Ville's, but I don't care because we don't know that. Wait, he works with the doctor. Is he actually a doctor? What? I just realized they're talking about the bus crash. The nurse being there. I don't mean the woman dressed as a nurse, I mean the nurse from the first film. She shouldn't live in Haddonfield. She shouldn't be friends with these characters, because they were decades younger than her. And she worked at Smith's Grove. She didn't work in Haddonfield, she was over 100 miles away. I forget the number from the original. Bonnie, I guess, is the host. Tommy's coming up to not sing. Now we introduced him to whistle, but he's not going to do that or sing, even though it's open mic night. I guess an open mic night can do whatever you want, but boring someone with a story that is barely over a minute and not very detailed. Not informative, not interesting. Clearly Tommy doesn't listen to the moth. Oh, actual scenes. Including a scene from Halloween 2, our dead body. Another minute, he is still talking. His story ended, but his presentation is still going, and I don't know what he's going for. And there we get the theme problem with this movie. Never succumb to fear. Succumbing to fear and having fear are two very different things. Michael doesn't represent fear. Michael is death. We're back to them in the truck. I said this in my part one. No one should have... No one should have called the fireman because Lori lives outside of town. But also, that was a really big overpass they just went under, which means Haddonfield has become a much bigger town than it ever was. Even though the 2018 untitled film seemed to try to present the town as still being quite small and rural. I assume they filmed in a completely different place for this one. This whole sequence isn't really a reference to anything. I mean, I guess off-screen, Michael killed all the police officers in Halloween 4, but it's good that it's off-screen because it's actually strange to see Michael kill a bunch of people in a row. Doesn't do that. Oh, I forgot to reference, apparently. Lori yelling, let it burn, was a reference to some deleted scene from Halloween 2? Halloween 4, I guess flashback to Halloween 2, with Loomis telling her to let Michael burn. This is something I said in my show, in response to the Untitled 18 film. Michael doesn't kill arbitrarily. I tried to make the Haddonfield Memorial Hospital look like the one from Halloween 2, so reference. It's a little tall, especially for such a small town. Been to a small town hospital, it wasn't very big. She can blow up her hands. Lost my train of thought. I had to pause for a second. You know, Judy Greer is doing great acting here. Better than this movie deserves. They'd gone reference shit while I was in the middle of saying something. <laughs> oh, Michael doesn't kill arbitrarily. Let's get back to that. Oh, Lori's going through surgery, which means a lot of time is passing. Surgery takes a while. Michael doesn't kill people arbitrarily. He picks out a target, he stalks them. Killing a bunch of people that just happen to show up, he wouldn't need to do. There's no reason for him to kill the firefighters. Because they wanted a big body count, because apparently that's what some part of slasher fans want. I don't. I'm... How should I put this? What makes Michael Michael is that he picks a target, he stalks them, kills a few people around them, or he picks multiple targets at once, depending on how you look at his pick of Lori and Annie and Linda. He doesn't just kill. This sequence, this couple with the drone for no reason, no reason for the sleep apnea mask, and the line about the mother, it's a bunch of useless filler. Same for fake characterization, by giving them a drone and wine. So this is the old couple from Halloween 2, right? The equivalent. 
which is there so Michael can get a knife. We're going to have a problem with him picking a knife here. It is a good horror film scene. It's not a Michael Myers scene. He doesn't kill people in front of others just to mess with them. I was going to say ever, but I guess in Halloween 2 he did pick up that nurse in front of Lori. Because she wasn't in the way. That was an interesting touch. Michael knocking out the light. Hey, why is Michael at this house? Why is he killing these people? The key part of the old couple in Halloween 2 is he doesn't kill them. He goes in, he takes a knife. Red Letter Media had a nice take on the drone as it could have been a setup for something that came later. The bigger drone going after Michael. I have a problem with this fluorescent scene, not as a reference to anything, but Michael doesn't know what that is. He doesn't know what's under that cabinet. In 1978, you didn't have lights like that under your shelves. And he could just as easily have grabbed the knife she was holding, or walked to the other side where the knives were. Mm-hmm. I think they got a deal on fake blood for this film. See, him testing out the knives also feels more like a Jason thing, is that you'd find a body with a whole bunch of knives sticking. Michael's more efficient. Kills, he moves on. I mean, he poses people. But when does he pose people? Actually, that's an interesting question going back to my whole coverage of the first film is, at what point did he put Judith Meyer's gravestone on the bed and why? If he's setting up Annie on the bed and Linda in the closet and Bob hanging from the whatever he's hanging from and putting the stone on the bed behind Annie, why is he doing that? Unless he's aiming to personally fuck with Lori because that's his target. <sighs> I to open mic night with the ventriloquist. I don't care. Because it's, Michael works better if he has a target, and he is personal. Or specific more than personal. See, everybody knows that story, so it's not worth telling. They gotta be friends so these two can be in the movie. Yeah, he bled out by now. Because Laurie already made it to the hospital and is in surgery. The editing here is problematic. Like they couldn't decide how to start the film, and so they mixed and matched. And we find out about old Huckleberry. Which isn't Tommy's bad. It would make more sense. Why not just make Tommy the owner of the bar? I said last time, who is Tommy? What do we know about him from this movie? Nothing. We don't know what he does as a job. We don't know what he's been doing with his time. What hobbies he has, if he has any hobbies. Has he been hanging out with Lori and doing the shooting range stuff? Has he been training? If so, why does he use a bat? Why does he steal Brian's bat? I really want the black detective or cop, or whatever kind of thing he has to be at Creighton Duke. Let's go for real crossovers with other films. If you're going to erase one franchise, reference another. I haven't confirmed, even though they just showed Michael Myers on the screen. Because no one thinks of Michael Myers as this boogeyman. This community has not spent decades trying to forget that they've forgotten it. That's the whole point to the teenagers last time. I mean, that is scary to have a bunch of your friends get butchered by some random crazy person. Is it, though? Because all things considered, there's a lot worse stuff that's happening today. And, like, I mean, what, a couple people getting killed by one guy with a knife is not that big of a deal. Dude, her grandmother was almost fucking murdered. And she escaped. And they caught him, and now he's incarcerated. I'm just saying, like, by today's standards. Windows fogged up. Any reference? He's stealing a bit. I missed that. Tommy didn't see Evil Dies Tonight first. It's the nurse who said it. That's weird. It's like they've invented a history we never saw where all of these people then hung out with Dr. Loomis for a while and obsessed. We didn't get to see that. We just get stupid shit like this. Tommy walking around like a tough guy with a bat. And he's kind of rude because he hits these people's car. 
So we're supposed to think that was Michael. Why did he crash? We know Michael knows how to drive. But then they immediately reveal it wasn't. What is the point? Okay, the Myers house. A facade built on uh, actual streets, I understand it. The inside's a set. I feel like all this stuff feels like um, Jason Lives. Friday 13th, part 6. Like the sudden inclusion of the people playing paintball just have three extra victims. Michael didn't need to go in the house with the drone. This is his house, so this is a setup, but you know what he could have had is a character we know moved in this house. Maybe Lori bought it to keep it empty. Although we don't know what she does for a living either. How does she have money? What does she do? What do any of these people do? I guess it is late for Stricker Treaters. Good catch. How do you know it was rusty? You're introducing this scene just to pick on the gay couple you just put into your movie. Mm. Three kids, of course. Apparently, these are the same kids who had these masks in the previous film, but their scenes got cut down to that one little shot, and it's a reference to Season of the Witch, of course. Lori spending so much time in the hospital, reference to Halloween 2, also really weird choice when you got Jamie Lee Curtis marketing your film so much and being executive producer. Of course, there's the weird bunny on the wall in this scene with another bunny on its cover, like the rabbit in red. Warren County they're going with, which isn't right. That would make Warren County really big. Warren County is where the Smith's Grove is. Movies get county shit wrong all the time, though, with sheriffs and local police. It's a weird cut to her screaming what. Is this acting choices or directing choices? This scene is awkward as fuck. They just explained that he didn't go to Lori on purpose, so why would Karen say he's on the way here? Police are on the way here. That was confusing. See, Karen knows the franchise. <laughs> Haunting his family with grief and fear for 40 years. Lonnie barely was involved, even in their retcon. I feel like now that she knows it's real, Karen should be going to like some backup bunker Lori has. It's a bunch of weapons. And actually arming the mob, not saying let the cops do it. She knows he's already killed the police outside their house. Hawkins is in the hospital. I don't know if she knows that. But surgery's over, which means it's late. I'm sorry, you arrive at the hospital with a stabbing victim. Carrying a random bundle wrapped up. And no one called for a cop? No one confiscated that knife? You don't leave it next to someone who's sleeping. She could roll over, unwrap it while she's sleeping, and stab herself. <clears throat> I would call them first responders. Weird choice. Lonnie having guns is funny. That's a good line. Parts of the dialogue are fun. I just don't think they fit what this movie's trying to be. Or no, what this movie should be. Ah, see, I'm a problem. Oh, yeah, that was the joke. She's a doctor, he's a nurse. I forgot about that from the other one. I think they thought that was a really good line. The juxtaposition of haunted and hunted. Oof, it wasn't. Now they're gathering an angry mob like Halloween 4. Milk. Sweetbreads. They don't eat sweetbreads in Illinois as far as I've been able to tell. But of course this was filmed in North Carolina. Okay, whatever. Mm. 
Yeah, if you've heard the story, you know that part. You might not know the names of the kids, but the locals would know about Dr. Loomis because he lived. He would have kept going on. He would have been on the news. He would have been on some early episode of Donahue talking about that shit. Nothing's going on over there. It's a playground and kids are swinging. Careful, Lindsay. The kids could be a trap. Oh, that's a stupid setup for the punchline later. She's acting like she knows how to use the gun better than him because he's never fired one. And she's the one who's going to accidentally shoot herself. You can't identify that mask from that distance. But also, if he killed Dennis, someone put in the trivia, this is the rare instance where he killed a kid, which is bullshit because his first victim was a kid. Judith Myers was 16. His victims on Halloween night, 78. Annie, Linda, Bob were all 17, 18. And these actors playing the kids were 12 to 15, I believe, at the time of filming. Wrench on the hand to break the window, just like Halloween 1, reference again. And Marion's an idiot, just like before. Sits by the open window. Knife through the eye. Someone in the trivia said that was a reference to killing Dr. Mixer with a syringe. I don't buy that. Yeah, guns are dangerous. So Michael doesn't use them, except to stab people. Well, that never happened. Tony Castle for that scene, even though he never got the mask all the way off. And Lindsay just gets away. I'm guessing Kyle Richards signed on only if she could do two films. Michael doesn't lose people either. If this movie's already half over, ugh. Has anything happened? Where's our plot? What's plot point one? Wait, what is plot point one? Tommy finding out, I guess. Because Tommy's our protagonist, structurally speaking. Wait. The knife's now in the... Don't they pull that out later? How she knows what is happening? <laughs> that was more believable earlier when Cameron called him Mr. Doyle. Now I just called him Tommy. The writer forgot. He should just go around putting those masks on people, because the masks will kill him. Stonehenge will do it. Happy, happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. Happy Happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Happy Happy Halloween, Super Shabbat. Happy Happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Happy Happy Halloween, Super Shabbat. We actually learn more about Allison's father in this movie, and Lonnie, than we learn about Tommy. Lonnie has guns in his tackle box. Lonnie used to buy peyote from Allison's father. If you want to twist the slasher genre, not that necessarily the original Halloween was a slasher film, but it is the birth of the slasher film, what would be better is that Laurie grew up 
to be like Loomis and Brackett. She doesn't become some loner off in the way from town. She'd be the police. You want to upend the slasher, you make adults useful. So you make your lead adult, your through line, Laurie Stroud, the responsible adult who can do something. Not because that's the only thing she does. That's not characterization. It's cheap and simple. You need actual characterization. What does she become? She becomes like a detective. She moves to Chicago. Other side of the state, I guess. Maybe she stays in Hanfield. She's the guy with the cowboy hat. She's investigating all of this. She's trying to figure out where is Michael going based on a string of murders. She wants to get ahead of him so she can stop him. I love the police try to get everyone to leave. It's the waiting room. Regular people, that's where they should be. She says, Mother, yeah, that's why you call him your son. She doesn't know that. <laughs> Apex Predator doesn't get caught after killing four people. Oh, random stranger, good job. Their department didn't fail. He didn't desecrate her body. That's bullshit. He laid her on a bed. That's like the opposite of desecration. Wait, 40 years ago when you were a kid? Is that when? I think she knows. You say 40 years so many times this movie. I need a transcript so I can search it. Lori says we fight. Okay, let's see. We're an hour two minutes in. Does Lori fight? For the next 40 minutes? Nope. A lifetime of preparation, and for what? Ray is dead. So many people are dead. We're not equipped. Allison's run off with crazy Lonnie Elam. People are losing their minds. There are authorities who are trained to deal with exactly this kind of... This... There's a system. You gotta find the FBI from the beginning of Jason Goes to Hell. Them involved, they'll take care of it. Well, the system failed. The system didn't fail. They kept him imprisoned for 15 years and then 40 years. Yeah, she's giving herself painkiller, but does she go anywhere? Where is the pain What's the point of this scene? Let him come for me. No. Let him take my head as I take his. No. Maybe the only way he can die is if I die too. No. Karen, you and Allison should not have to keep running because of the darkness that I created so you just have to let me go. See, the key to this film is that Laurie is crazy. In the darkness that she created, she's been reading the Tao of Michael Myers, hasn't she? He's her id. And he's out. It's like Forbidden Planet. Why is he playing with honey? Why does this sequence exist? And now they're at the back door. Halloween's over, kids! It is. It's like 1 a.m. by now, probably. Michael needs to keep his hands clean. Let's listen to the CDC. Wash your hands. Was it for at least 30 seconds? Michael is not sanitary. <laughs> As I said last time, you could cut out the entire sequence with the other patient. This film would be the same film. This isn't a film about a mob going crazy and going after the wrong target. That's just what happens. It's not a theme, it's a plot. Now, it's not even a plot, it's a useless side plot. <laughs> Evil dies tonight again. Oh god, they're chanting it now. Now, of course, in Halloween 6, here's your reference, people are living in the Myers house, and Michael comes back to kill them. 
Oh, interesting. They combined Michael's and Judith's bedroom into one big bedroom. It's nice. Structurally, the whole point of this mob sequence is to delay Lori. But since they've apparently decided the third film is going to be set later, not the same night, I don't know what they're going for. References. Someone else mistaken for Michael Myers. Let's see, Ben Tramer in Halloween 2, Ted Hollister in Halloween 4, and Ronnie in Halloween H20. I don't remember the Ronnie part. I don't remember who Ronnie is. <laughs> I grew up with this franchise, so mine is... When you go for your alternate timelines, I'm a 1, 2, 4, 5, 6 kind of person. Chaos Comics did a good try at connecting all that to age 20, but no one cares. Zombie comes into remake. McBride and Green come into remake. Reboot. Whatever the fuck. Back to the flashback. Did Mike will get again? Still a stupid question. And police abusing an unarmed victim. Shocked. Because every time somebody's afraid, the Boogeyman wins. Every time he's afraid, the Boogeyman wins. <laughs> That's so stupid. Poor little Umbrella Man. Karen trying to stop them is good, but this sequence serves no real purpose. The Ted Hollister thing in 4 was so brief. It's like, kid wrong guy. Move on. There he is! I've seen his face. Right there, Al. Hollister. You dumb son of a bitch. You said you saw Myers. It's the whole middle of the film. It's not him. Not him, Tommy. He's always worn a mask, Lee. How do we know it's not him? How do we know, Lee? Because you've seen his face. They have mugshots. He's been on documentaries and news reports. Now he's turning us into monsters. Dumb. Unless they actually became monsters, that'd be cool. I think they thought this was dramatic. And we were going to be moved. Let me see the corrupt police force at work. Oh, and then we need to be told again. I mean, I guess it's Lori being told, but... You can't just split your movie in half and not have any arcs in the first one. I don't know what this sequence is for. Why is Karen looking at a reflection? He's going home. He went from Lori's compound mm -hmm. to victims in her neighborhood to the park. Okay, if you track those locations, that's a straight line. Basically an arrow pointing straight to Lampkin Lane, Michael's childhood home. Maybe they should have made an actual map of the fake town and show it to us. Let us figure that out. The problem with this episode of this show is it's not going to be very good. As a commentary track, there's too much silence because I'm just bored. Very little happens in this movie, even though a bunch of things happen in this movie. It's not very interesting. Characters don't have much depth or motivation. 
How do we end up with Cameron and Allison in this position? Now they've decided to make it a slasher film with teenagers doing something. But it's not really that. There shouldn't be a closet there. There's no space for a closet there. Mm-hmm. It's the front wall of the house. That was deep enough for Michael to be in it, so... Reference, of course, to the closet bit in the first one. Fall downstairs, hurt the leg. Reference to the first one. Just like your grandmother. It's like, when in doubt, just copy what came before, even though you're pretending none of that exists. Maybe that, in their book, means it's fine. You can steal whatever you want, as long as that stuff doesn't exist and doesn't belong to anyone. Tell him you're his grandniece. Then he'll come right for you. Except he doesn't, because he doesn't care about that shit. And you're not related. And it's all a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> but it's got really playful music for this sequence, so fucking cares. When does she see her mother is there? She didn't. <sighs> and it's like daylight outside. This is sad. This twist is stupid. And people think the pitchfork is a reference to when he types spits in the back in Halloween 5. Ugh. Why would you pull his mask off when you could, you know, stab him in the face? Throw it. Oh, look, it's Nick Castle. Wait. Okay, going through the yard. Is that yard set up like the Elrond's backyard? I don't care. That was in Halloween too, so who cares? You shouldn't be in there. Or street over. You know, something's wrong. Mask is on the ground, that's not normal. Mask on the ground, isn't that how Halloween 6 ends? Is that the theater version? Or a producer's cut? It was nice to move on the close-up, though. Show his burned face, so we still don't really see him. Hey, Michael. It's Halloween. Everyone's entitled to one good scare. It's not an action film. You don't need to repeat your line from the original Mr. Brackett. Also, if the burn went through the mask, shouldn't the mask be melted into his skin? Part of him now, like Jason Voorhees. Jason goes to hell. I always thought Michael Myers was flesh and blood, just like you and me. But a mortal man could not have survived what he's lived through. The more he kills, the more he transcends into something else impossible to defeat. Oh, that's dumb. Killed five people total. He didn't transcend the things by killing. Fear. People are afraid. That is the true curse of Michael. Oh, the curse of Michael. Reference to number six by title. You realize you're setting yourself up so you can't defeat it, right? Bracket, there's Tiger. Oh, hockey stick, I forgot. Reference to H2O. This, this is some editing that it wasn't clear on. I think I missed where Allison went through another yard to the next street over when I watched it the first time. Because they're sitting really calm over here by the house. It's because they're a block away. Wait, he's a clown. I don't know why we have eye contact here. Michael and Tommy were never close. <laughs> she really shouldn't be in there. It's a crime scene. Michael's got to kill Lori's daughter again. Even though he already did it six. Tried in 45. This editing is awful. Supposedly it's deliberate. It was uh, choreographed to homage Marion Crane's death in Psycho, according to someone put it in trivia. I don't know if it's true, but the sequence is silly. It's like the end of four, but without the energy.
At least that made sense. Her mother was drawing her a bath. And over it. That was over it long ago. And he looks at his reflection. So they back themselves into a corner now. You can't beat him with violence. So they're going to beat him with love. Or, ideally, just let him stay in the Myers house. I guess he killed Judith because he wanted that front room. <laughs> Apparently they didn't intend to do a trilogy, but the studio wanted three. And after the first one, they got stuck. They had to do this. So they had to bring Frank back. They had to stick Lori off waiting for nothing to happen. And everyone knows where Michael is. And no one can do anything about it. So what exactly is the point of any of it? And where do you go from here? There's not really anywhere you can go from here. That's all for Halloween Kills. I don't really want to talk about it. Ever. Michael Myersman is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. Find more at lemmingdrops.com. You can go back and... Well, if you're listening to this show, you'll know all the addresses for this show. Myers Minute on Twitter. Michael Myers Minute on Facebook and Instagram, I think. But it's not like there's going to be more. Unless I suddenly did make a living off podcasting, I'm not going backward and doing Halloween 2. The modern fans of this franchise have different ideas of what to expect than I do. I guess I'll be back next year or year after whenever Halloween Ends comes out. I'm not optimistic. No. See, they're forgetting the rules. Someone needs to watch Scream again. The way I see it, someone's out to make a sequel. You know, cash in on all the movie murder hoopla. So it's our job to observe the rules of the sequel. Number one, the body count is always bigger. Number two, the death scenes are always much more elaborate. More blood, more gore. Carnage candy. Your core audience just expects it. I think you got to double down on your themes and... Instead, this one negates the themes of the first, the 2018 untitled, not the original. So what's left in the third one? Fuck it all up worse. They can't add more depth unless they bring the thorn cult back. I guess I'd love that. Whatever. Until next year, year after. See you later. Bye. Bye.